Welcome to Elements of Community, a podcast about discovering and exploring the elements of community. I am Lucas Root, and each week we talk with a community leader about what makes their community thrive and bring value to both the leaders and the members. Join me as we unpack the magic of the elements of community. very much for joining us. Great, thanks for having me. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, my name is Mark Rustios. I'm the Chief of Police in Concord. I uh, have been since April of 2020. Previous to that, I spent 29 years with the San Jose Police Department, uh, working my way through various ranks. And uh, I ended up here in Concord and been here about two years now. Lucky us, 29 years, that's amazing. Yes, it's been a uh, three decades is a long time in law enforcement. Certainly lots of changes uh, from when I started in 92, which was right at the onset of the Rodney King riots to a couple summers ago, uh, the George Floyd riots. So, it, you know, we've come full circle and have a ways to go, certainly. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about community. I bet you've learned a lot about community in those times. I have. I've actually learned a lot of lessons, good and bad, of kind of what works in various communities around language, around ethnicity, around income, poverty, uh, commonality of interest. And one of the things that's certainly in law enforcement, one of the things we see when we work to build community is that we want people to understand we're there to help them have a better life, that they're in a safe spot and they can do whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's recreating or business. And But we can't do it alone. It's Concord, it's 130,000 residents. Mm -hmm. I have 130 officers. You mm -hmm. can do the math, it's not a lot. So what do we depend on? We depend on the cooperation and as our force multiplier as a community that we can work with and support on common, whether it's a problem or just to make places better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we we talked about the framework. Yes. And there's the five elements of community. In in your 30 years, have you seen um, examples where this really shows up powerfully? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I can give an example. Project Hope uh, in San Jose. That sounds fun. Yeah, well, it, you know, it was interesting because it was an area where I grew up and grew up near. And it's one of those things that many cities have where it's the entry point for folks, oftentimes, that come to the United States. Mm -hmm. And it had been the entry point since I was a child and I was working out there in my 40s. Um, and it really hadn't changed over time. Mm -hmm. And one of the tasks, one of the things I noticed was, what can I do? as a leader with some sway with City Hall, with uh, different departments, as well as the police department, to make the community better. Because it had always been um, challenged with crime, street level crime, especially around gang issues. And there was a nearby school mm -hmm. that one of the things I noticed right away, having, having hadn't worked in that area for a while, 
was the moms would all walk their kids to school. Mm. And for me, that was the natural place to start. If we're going to build something where they're going to trust the police more, we're going to build community, it had to start there at the school with, frankly, mothers who were mm-hmm. walking young children. Yeah. It was an elementary school. And, that, and that's, frankly, where I started. And I'll be honest, the first, it was a collective between myself, a city council member, and I used some leverage on code enforcement and other things that can make a, a neighborhood look better yeah. and feel better about itself. And we went, in our first meeting, we had 10 people. Yeah. And it was like, well, why are we here? And I said, well, you came for a flyer. You obviously, you thought there might be something of interest for here for you. And I laid out my plan, which was essentially, we can make the neighborhood better. You can feel safe that maybe your kids can even walk themselves to school. It's kind of the way I grew up. I walked myself to school, mm-hmm. not uphill and downhill like you tell your kids. <laughs> but nonetheless, I walked to school since I was a, a tiny kid. But you do tell your kids that yeah. story, right? <laughs> yeah, I crossed a major highway, right? Of no, course, barefoot. The, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No snow in California for me, but <laughs> nonetheless. Um, I knew this was a group of people that would resonate that, wait, I want my kids, and it's, it's heavily impacted uh, apartment kind of neighborhood, and kids play in the street, mm-hmm. and it's dangerous, and there's cars parked everywhere, which is always one of the issues in, the, in impacted neighborhoods, and they're playing soccer in the, the street, and we had the case where a couple kids were hit over a period of time. Like These are things we can make a direct impact on with the community's help. Yeah, And so we went about laying out the groundwork of, here's the grand plan. You help us, we help you. That One of the fascinating, if you will, um, things in a neighborhood that's a transitional neighborhood or where people first immigrate, and then, frankly, they want to get out of the neighborhood as fast as possible. It's hard to build community because mm. everybody who's there, their, their desire is, I want to be somewhere else. And... It's an interesting dynamic where people are like, well, I'm only here for six months. I'm only, they'll tell you in English or in Spanish, they say, oh no, I'm only here for a year. When we would go knock door to door saying, hey, we're trying to get this community meeting going because we want to hear what you need to make this a better place for your kids, a better place where you feel comfortable with, they could walk to school, which is only three blocks and not feel something negative was going to happen. Because mm-hmm. there had been some issues with some individuals fighting, some gang violence, shootings, that type of thing. The, the first lowest hurdle was, well, I'm only going to be here six months to a year because that's the mindset. Mm. I got to this country. I know this is a transitional neighborhood and I want to get out. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm happy to report this was the program started probably six, seven years ago. It's still going and it's not so transitional anymore. Uh, I'm not taking any credit for that. I think the neighborhood takes credit for that where one of the things is People in transition will have a used mattress. They're going somewhere else. They just leave the mattress on the curbside. Mm. And that was an easy fix because, like I told code enforcement, can we do a cleanup day that on this day, everybody can bring out their junk and have it. And the city's like, yeah, that'll work. And we filled that. The first year, we filled like 10 dumpsters, uh, big 20-yard dumpsters of stuff. But right away, the moms, I would interact with them on a monthly basis. They're happier. But, well, they're like looking around like the couch isn't there for months anymore. The mattress against the wall is yeah. not there. So I, I came through for them. And I think you had, when you start to build community, at least as I saw it, 
they saw the purpose was to make the neighborhood better. Mm -hmm. And I came through on something that I could do for them you, in terms of leveraging City Hall. You organized a project. Yes, exactly. And it had some value to them yeah. using, the, using the framework, right? Yeah. And so that was really the platform that we built off of. And then it was incorporating, uh, bringing officers out to play soccer. Mm -hmm. Certainly we addressed the crime issues. And it became, as it became more robust, it really only became, there were only three or four problem apartment specific targeted areas that we could focus on. And mm -hmm. that came as the community began to trust us. Even some of the mothers like, well, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to let him go to school by himself, but I can see him go to three blocks. So that was the stepping stone where I can watch my second grader walk three blocks and then make the right turn into the school. Mm -hmm. Um, that was success for me. Yeah. I said, I, that's going to take a while till you're fully comfortable that you stay in your apartment and, and your child walks with his, we taught them to walk with friends in a group and we instituted a whole safety program for them. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, it was, it was really on the road to success and we had a setback. We had a homicide in the neighborhood and it was unfortunately witnessed by many of the same children we were building up to be self-reliant, to walk to school, the neighborhood safe, and we were, it's hard not to look defeat. We felt defeated, our team felt defeated. The kids are, kids are back imagine. in their apartments, nobody wants to leave, nobody wants to walk to school anymore, everybody thinks it's going to happen to them. Yeah, tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Thankfully, we had another community meeting, this one was very robust, and, and a lot of folks wanting answers, and the reality was, I said, in, well, we, hold on. Go ahead. So if you had people showing up wanting answers, that all by itself shows progress because you had to train them to believe that they could actually get answers. Yes, and that they had a voice. Like they, Yeah, they were not hope. They showed up, I mean, angry and demanding, but they showed up with the expectation that they would get answers, which is a huge step. Like I can, I can understand why you were defeated, but what I hear is, amazing progress like you went from a community you went from a neighborhood that was not a community where five people showed up to your first meeting or ten whatever it was nothing um, because they believed that they had no voice they believed that there was nothing to gain from showing up and meeting with you and and interacting with you like why would I waste my time into no. this this uh, a horrible scenario that created this opportunity for you to see that progress, which is amazing. The, the upside of that is, in fact, on that particular case, several of the youth that we've been working with, and we're talking really second to fifth graders, hmm. contacted us in, in other ways, you know, um, not in the neighborhood face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. And we solved the homicide within 48 hours based on Oh, that was so-and-so's brother came over and he was mad and unfortunately these kids saw the trauma but yeah. they also knew the story yeah and once we made that quick arrest with the neighborhood's help it was only a matter of weeks till they were walking to school again mm. so there's that initial trauma of getting over oh god here we go again to excuse me wait this was very localized the police did do what they said they were gonna do they did come back they still held the regular meetings, and we continued on with the program. So it was more of a speed bump. It, and I couldn't translate that, that in and Spanish. I speak Spanish, but I couldn't think of the word for speed bump. I'm like, oh, <laughs> a speed bump, right? Um, but more than that, they they actually helped. They were instrumental. Yeah. And the, and that's 
telling them that we couldn't do what we did without them is the total buy-in for the program where we're here to be servants to you to make your community better but we can't make it better if you don't help us but we need to know where you need help and mm -hmm. some of the things you know we're outside the police lane but we still handle them where a lot of the kids, I mean, they're small things, but they really made a difference in well, back to community. Cleaning up the garbage is outside the police lane. But, uh, there was a major intersection. It made a huge difference. So the weird function is the these kids all are in San Jose and they go to one school, but the rec programs are all in another city. Mm -hmm. And it's crossing the large three lane kind of boulevard. Well, they didn't have a way to do that safely. Mm -hmm. And so moms wouldn't let them go play soccer at the rec program or whatever because they had to cross the street again by themselves. Yeah. So. I get that. Sending an officer out, even if to, on a temporary basis to show them, do it in mass, cross at the light, have a parent that, that can help teaching a parent how to have one in the front, one in the back, shepherding this group of kids across, became a problem solver, right? Yeah. So now it, it's okay to go take soccer classes or go play the soccer rec and whatever have you. Yeah because we've taught you how to cross the street safely with your parent volunteers, if you will. Yeah. So again, not small a, thing, not, but a joke. A, not, but back to the importance, what's important for these, primarily the moms who were home during the day, but what was important for them to see that the safety of their children. Yeah. So to me, that was a success. It's ongoing. The community works well with the, the department there still. And there, there are progress, you know, moments of progress and still some setbacks. But the, the interesting thing is, it's not, I wouldn't call it, to my knowledge anymore, a, a straight transitional neighborhood. Some folks have now are like, well, we're, we're centrally located. The rent's right. The neighborhood's pretty good. And we can walk to school. Why would I move? Yeah. So it's been, you know, I don't know what it's done to rents, but it's definitely been an upswing where the neighborhood has changed. The dynamic has changed. And, and I think the interesting part of that is when it comes to, when you hear and overhear a one mom telling another newer mom who's just showed up at the school with their kids and they just moved. And that's not the way we do it here. Mm. In terms of, you know, we let our kids walk together to school, mm -hmm. but that type of thing that became, there was a way that the community saw it's the way we do it here. Yeah. And I would say that that was a positive outcome. That's almost building community. A, that is almost a common language all by itself. Like the kids, this is how the kids do it. They walk together to yeah. school. Exactly. And so, you know, that, that was probably one of the things I think really quickly about building community, especially with law enforcement. Yeah. It's not in the traditional, we're only here to solve crime. Right. And we're actually here to make the neighborhood better. And the, what did I think? I would argue, and this is me being out of my lane, <laughs> so I hope it's okay. I would argue that it's not actually the primary job of police officers to solve crime. I think that's a secondary job. Your your job is actually to make a neighborhood, hopefully a community, but at least a neighborhood safer. And sometimes that means you have to solve crimes in order to do that, right? So the secondary job is actually solving the crime. Yeah, no, I would say the first is that when you build that safety and security and uh, prevention is really what it is. And yep. then when things aren't prevented, the secondary part I would agree with then is solving crime the robust fashion so that people know people are penalized and, and things occur when you break the law so there are consequences mm -hmm. um, i would agree with that mm -hmm. for sure cool
Thanks for tolerating me stepping outside my line. <laughs> Very cool. That's a great story. Um, how can you take what you learned and, and hopefully what you've learned from the framework and our discussions, how can you take that and reapply it as the chief here in Concord? Well, actually, I've already started to do that. One of the things... Nice. The first year was interesting. was, well, I'll call it 100% COVID. Year two was 80% COVID, meaning the restrictions were lessened for a short period, and then we went back to mask. Mm -hmm. And that's made things unusual, a little bit different. But business has to continue. My business, police work. Yep. We, didn't, we don't take a day off. We continue to work through pandemics or whatever else happens. Um, one of the things that I was able to collectively identify was as let's say the veil of pandemic was being lifted and things were opening up again the parks uh, building community around parks been a big part of my career a big part of my personal life in terms of the importance of parks when you grow up in a neighborhood the two things for me that were important as a child was the library because mm -hmm. I love to read mm -hmm. and it was free in public and a park it's free in public and you could recreate you go there and just be home by dark time yeah and I wanted to bring some of that here to Concord so it took me a year to understand which parks serve which neighborhoods and what's working but it was kind of influenced by COVID because everything you, the tot lot was uh, I can see that <laughs> marked off so toddlers couldn't come out and play so people weren't really using the parks and to give me a, a real kind of estimate of how often they're used but one of the things I said is you know, parks have to be safe for families. Yeah. This is back about building communities. Like, I want my parks, it's not mine, but our parks in Concord. It is yours. I mean, it's not only yours, but it but is yeah, yours. I want the parks to be safe for children, yeah. for moms and dads, whomever. A safe place to recreate. We have some um, dense housing, and their only outside space may be a park. And it's hugely important to me that they can go and the parks are there to use. Mm -hmm. So we started, you know, I know I got some rolled eyes, but we started some park walk talks, meaning I um, authorized some overtime for officers not taking calls for service, not making stops. Their sole function was to drop in at parks. And if there was an issue, and there always are, red, red lane, fire lane parking, they'd write a parking ticket. They passed out stickers to kids. Mm -hmm. And this is ongoing. And they play soccer. They've thrown the football. They remind people gently of park rules. Dogs need to be on leash or no dogs, depending on the park in Concord. And actually, it's kind of a, it was a positive setup because I think some of my officers are like, oh, my God, what are we doing now? And <laughs> the result has been twofold. I've had officers come and tell me, I really forgot how much fun it is to engage with the public mm -hmm. when there's no agenda, I'm not stopping crime, I'm not looking for somebody. I'm out there to say, hey, how you doing? How's your day? How's it going? Throwing the ball with the kid. People are, especially the little guys under six, curious about the badge and all the tools. Mm -hmm. Doing a show and tell, hey, this is this and that. Um, making parents feel like, wow, the police know the parks here. Some of our parks are set back and they're fairly deep, meaning they face the front of the street, but they go back several hundred yards. Mm -hmm. The deeper you go into a park, the less safe you may feel. And I didn't want that. Yeah. So my guys, my men and women are out there walking these parks, talking to people, knowing them. We're out here patrolling the parks to say hi, see what 
problems are, and one of the outcomes has been. But you're not really patrolling. You are no, actually just engaging. Meeting. Yeah, because the first wave, I said, I just want to know what's going. You're my eyes and ears. Right? Yeah. I, can't, I go out to the park and I see what I see. Mm-hmm. The more I have going out, then we could build around themes of. Now this park, I get a lot of email complaints about the illegal parking, the double parking, and a couple of random enforcement days, and you take you alleviate people get tired of their car getting towed or getting a red tag ticket uh-huh. um, and I, it alleviates it's, a, it's like magic right <laughs> suddenly like well, I, I can't take the risk well, yeah. I don't want to take the economic risk uh, and so we um, penalize perhaps bad behavior the upside of that is other people see that it matters yeah how they behave at the park uh, we, we've had a few instances someone's had too much to drink and they um, were escorted away and dealt with accordingly whether it was taken home or if an arrest was necessary, each is an individual case. People see the parks matter, it matters to the police department, it matters to the community. We've had more people showing up at our parks. Now, I don't want to take full function, uh, full credit for that for my team. I think that's a function of people just want to be outside, especially with COVID. Okay, so but it's a safe place. So, framework question. Is more people showing up to the park? Is that a um, is that common language or is that a common project? I'd say that's a common project. Okay, what's the project? For me, it's the park is a safe place to recreate, and it's you can go there anytime that it's open and feel safe with your kids, or your kids can go there by themselves to recreate and not be hassled or have any kind of issues come up. Mm-hmm. And so, for for me, that would be the framework piece. Hmm. I'm, I'm you thinking see it about in a this. different a different. Yeah. Okay. I I I think that play is a language. I can buy into that. No, no, for sure. And that's a commonality where we want recreation play. Yeah. To be the language of use at that park. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, that makes sense. That's that's fun to think about. I I probably wouldn't have thought about it. I think, yeah, I think play is a language. And so when more people are showing up playing, you're actually broadening access to common language, which brings people into the community. And I'll, yes, and I'll, <laughs> I haven't, there's always other uh, tangible items that get drawn into projects. One of the upsides that I had thought about, but not deeply, um, but based on some email responses, I, we've sent out, are some of our younger officers. And so in Concord, a lot of our younger officers are uh, different ethnicities, different mm-hmm. language spoken, mm-hmm. female officers. It's been a great recruiting tool in the sense of, oh, cool. we, yeah. it's an unattended positive consequence of, hey, look, mom, so-and-so, she's an officer. Yeah. And she had a gaggle of kids like following her through the park, <laughs> young, young girls. Look, mom, and, and I think it's a very powerful statement Say, hey, look, you can do this. And she's in a position of authority. Yeah. And these little girls are looking up to her, and it's it's achievable. It's, that's yeah. something I can do. Yeah. And she's really a, a, a young, energetic officer, the one that I'm thinking of. So in that regard, I got a ton of emails, and I'm like, wow, okay, there's more to this. Because I have Spanish-speaking officers in some parks where that language is spoken. So putting a little more thought into who's where and it's the same thing. I can do that. Speak Spanish. Hey, check that out. There's no, 
I have to do this or I have to grow up and be that. It's the sky's the limit. Hey, right. look at this look at this person. They're communicating in a language of sorts. Um, but they're also a position and a power of uh, uh, authority. But they're an authoritarian authoritarian issue. Jumble my words. Um, and people are coming maybe from a culture where that's to be feared. Yeah. But now they're approachable. They're smiling. They kick the soccer ball. They're using a language that's culturally competent with the folks that are there. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait. Soccer is, oh, it, it's, a, it's a project, but it's yeah. also a language. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big success in that because. Oh, I love it. Um, several of our, our parks with a lot of little kids. They'll, they see a soccer ball being kicked by a couple officers. The next thing you know, there's like a gaggle of kids running around like this amoeba with a ball. Yeah. And again, their primary function is just to be seen, make contact. Mm -hmm. but they're, they're right there in the middle doing what we want to do in terms of we are building community in terms of trust. Yeah. We're not here to take your money. We're not here to steal from you. However you might see that in another country, we're here to be somebody you can talk to, that can help that when instance there was a little accident. So they walked over and they helped with the exchange of information. And the kids are like, you know, you have this whole audience of kids. Oh, what are they gonna do? Are you gonna arrest them? Are you gonna No, it's just an accident. We don't just arrest people, <laughs> you know? So explaining to some of the older kids, some of the functions. That's funny, that, yeah. You know, we only arrest people. No, or we only take police reports uh, on Accident. No, that's not true. Yeah. We, we're out here. Sometimes we just facilitate a conversation where people I'm need just to being exchange, helpful. Yeah, yeah, exchange information. They can go on their way because accidents happen. Yeah. So it it's as educational for my folks as it is for folks in the park. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you can have authority without being a leader, right? The two things are separate. You can be a leader without having authority. Absolutely. Again, the two things are separate, and it sounds to me like what you're talking about is putting these two things together in your force, that each of your force members who has authority, right? The badge is authority. You're helping them become leaders as well. Yeah, and, and that's, I, I think you put it more eloquently than I would have. Um, that's absolutely the core of what I want my folks to be. Yeah. To be leaders in the community that people can trust, they can flag down, they can be problem solved. I want independent problem solvers when they're called Let's yeah. face it, when somebody calls the police, it's not their best day, generally. Oftentimes, it's their worst day of their life. I don't know. I called and, the police today. It's a pretty good day. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be an anomaly, right? I got I got escorted into a police officer's. And a cup of coffee, right. so it's all good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, you know, in my experience of having to remind folks, when you show up on a 911 call, it's generally the only time a person has ever interacted with the police. Yeah. Now I'm looking to change that. I, I I don't want my folks to just be in the car. Yeah. We're having a big emphasis on that right now. Get out yeah. and talk to I want to see you in the shopping ranch ninety nine market or I want to see you at uh Los Rancheros. Go buy tortillas, go buy your lunch, walk through the supermarket, wave at people, say hello. Mm -hmm. You are a member here. You work for them. Let them know who you are. You're not just looking for criminal activity. You are out there as an asset and as a problem solver. Yeah. And you know, we get 
sometimes we have to give Bart directions, <laughs> which was a novel thing for me coming to Concord. I knew about Bart and had ridden it, but it's like, oh no, you want to go the other direction. You want to go towards San Francisco, towards the Embarcadero versus the other direction when you have some tourists. Yeah. So, you know, a little uh, new, new caveat to my job. Yeah. Yeah. Giving directions. Well, I mean, it comes with, a, it, it can come with the territory of, of being a leader. No, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. I love it. Um, do your, does your force get it? Do they understand what they're working towards? Do they understand that when they go play soccer, they're building, they probably don't know the words that you and I are using now, but do they understand they're building common language? I don't know that I've explained it with common language. They know something's happening. Yeah. And it's positive. Yeah. Because I have interactions with the folks that do it. And this is it makes them smile. It the makes them smile and something is happening. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm saying we're building kind of an organic um, relationship with our community. Yeah. And that's who we serve. We're servants. Yeah. And people need to remember that, especially our folks. I mean, there's a bit of a culture change here and that I've done at Concord and collectively we're moving that direction. We're here to serve the residents of Concord whatever capacity that we can within the limits of our authority, right? Um, but that doesn't mean we can, one of the things that sometimes we're siloed as a, as a department, I want people to think outside the box, to befriend people in code enforcement, to know people in the building, to know the parks and rec director, that we have parks, we have robust parks and rec programs specifically around swimming, swimming issues, mm -hmm. um, stroke lessons, etc know what everything that's going on in Concord because you are an asset that people are going to, you don't know when you need that. You, I've been in situations where you go to a, a disturbance where the child is misbehaving and the parents are, are at wit's end, like we don't know what to do with the person, kid. It's like, well, are they doing any sports? Are they reading? Part of the problem solving is having, knowing what's out there. Hey, you know, Concord has a pretty robust parks and rec program that's really it's got a sliding scale and it's it, it's pretty robust and you know maybe ballet is appropriate or maybe karate is something they want to look into um, I think every kid should learn karate like hundred percent all of them both both my kids did uh, one attained the level of black belt and the other just under that but they they did very impressive um, we used to spar together and that was always fun nice Maybe not so much for me as they grow, <laughs> as they grow into the large teenagers. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think there's a, a level of confidence that's built from doing something uh, through training. Mm -hmm. It could be an instrument, it could be martial arts. But I, I know that some of the successes of my children, they lean back and they look at the... There was a person of authority that gave them direction that taught them how to be disciplined. It wasn't their parent, because I just you know watched. Mm -hmm. it wasn't their parent, and they excelled in that, and they learned some concepts from that that helped them through school, that helped them through college, yep. and, and now as young adults out in the working world, they're, they're finding their way. That's amazing. Yeah, I love it. Um, we could, 
you know, w we could we could expand this idea, and but it but it requires leaders, and it requires leaders that have seen the value that that you're bringing to this right that common value that you're bringing to out of the community that you're you're encouraging, you're investing into, and it's growing. Oh, that's interesting. You're investing into it, and it's growing. Yeah. No. No. I I think we have a young department here, and that's really what I'm looking to do is plant the seed with all these people, mm -hmm. all the employees. Um, because one of the f interesting things, and this is my first time taking over a different department than, than where I was as a deputy chief versus here being, quote, quote, the boss as the chief. People, when I first, well, what is he like? What does he want us to do? <laughs> There's this whole like aura of what, what, do, what are we doing now? What's the chief's focus gonna be? And it's been a big change and it's like, my mantra has been, what do you like to do? Using the framework, what do you, what do you feel passionate about or purposeful about mm -hmm. in terms of what is it that you like to do in patrol? There are folks that like, believe it or not, to write speeding tickets. Speeding's an issue on certain boulevards in Concord. They excel at that. Mm -hmm. There are others they are like, huh? That's not really my thing, but I like to get out on foot and go talk to business owners. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I don't know that there's one right way. I've been very wide spectrum of, as long as you're doing something to forward public safety and forward facing with the community, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, I, I know arrests need to be made, reports are taken, but in that free time, what is it you're doing that's engaging, that you're not just driving in circles, which drives me nuts. If you're just driving in circles looking for criminal activity, that's like 1990. That ship sailed. Yeah. Because um, if you don't know, and anyone listening for Concord, <laughs> you know we use intelligence-led policing. We identify certain individuals who are uh, wanted for particular crimes, and then we go after them and, and make the arrest and hopefully adjudicate them through the system. We're not just driving in circles looking for criminal activity. No. If we build community with our business owners, with our folks in the park, they're calling us and telling us this suspicious activity is going on. This is what's going on. And then we accordingly go to the call and lo and behold, we find the suspicious, uh, suspicious activity and sometimes we make arrests. That's where we have to partner. Again, where there's only 140 of us. A thousand to one ratio. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. We can't do it alone. Yep. We have to do it with the public support. Um, you know, I know one of the things that, that's interesting in law enforcement has been to me is that maybe in my next career, I'll do some, I have a master's, so maybe I'll do my PhD on, um, is I, what I call the inverted triangles. In the police jargon, the tip of the spear, the most important crimes, and they are, are your class one felonies, your, your homicides, your rape. They're egregious crimes. Mm -hmm. We want to penalize, not penalize, we want to arrest and put people in jail and have them go through the process where people are responsible for some egregious behavior. That's hugely important to us. Mm -hmm. But when you go out in the community, it's not unimportant to the community, but when you go out in the community in small neighborhood meetings, if you take the triangle and you flip it upside down, the biggest things are the mattresses in the street, yeah. the boarded up windows, mm. the parked car on the lawn. Because those are quality of life that's actually a language in itself oh interesting okay oh i'm just it's just occurring to me now but that is a language in itself it's something people see every day yeah that's 
lower level, but they see it every day. The car broken down, it has no wheels, it hasn't been towed, it's sitting on the street. Um, we get to it when we get to it based on staffing, but that's where I get the most vociferous emails about why haven't you done anything? It's not when we have a homicide. Why haven't you arrested that? I've never gotten an email. Why haven't you arrested that guy already? Right. But darn it, I've gotten, that that RV's been there four days and needs to be towed. That's I've gotten funny. that email 10 times, right? Wow. So what the community sees and will tolerate in their neighborhoods and stuff um, is that bottom half of the triangle, but it's, it's again, it's inverted. It's important to them at the, t the top, yep. wide layer. Whereas for us, it's like, now we need to get the robbers, the murderers, and the folks committing violent crime. Mm. And there's an intersection, certainly, in that middle part of the triangles. Um, and that's the interesting part, because a community that feels safe will go to the parks. And we do a tremendous job in our violent crimes making arrests and getting convictions. So, you know, I try to promote that in terms of this is your agency, this is your community. With your help, we've made these arrests. But that does not get the traction that we towed the RV that was been there for a week. It's just unbelievable, but it's, I get it too. I mean, I live in the neighborhood. If I had to look at the broken down RV out my window every day, yeah. I'd be that, send an email, may, I may have, in my community sent that email, <laughs> why is it still here, right? Um, so I understand that perspective too, and one time, as the chief, is take a step back and seeing the value, and people need to see action taken on their concerns, whether you may consider low level, or high level. They need to see some activity in action mm -hmm. and, and we try to be as responsive and customer service oriented as we can. Mm -hmm. And part of that's communication. Yeah. We're aware of it. We know about it. We will get to it. Now our timeline and your timeline may not intersect at the exact point, but it will get done. Yeah. And that's one of the things I communicate a lot with, with frustrated citizens, uh, residents that call in. We are aware. We will get to it. We're a little, let's say, backed up for lack of a better description. And, you know, we have some major crimes work. It takes all hands on deck to solve them in the 24, 48 hours. So some things get pushed to the side until we get back on track. Mm -hmm. But th uh, this is fun. If you see it as a value, a, c a common value and a common language issue, what, what they're doing when they write to you about that that RV or that truck that's been sitting there for four days and has no wheels, what they're telling you is um, the value that I want in my community, part of it, part of the value, part of um, par part of the purpose of the community, the value is cleanliness. Oh, absolutely. And so this is out of value. Okay, absolutely. You know, we get some issues around stores. Um, stores that are dirty because I oversee code enforcement as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest, that was like a, a new thing for me. Yeah, I'd always been a customer of, of code enforcement and using them, bring them in on situations I had in, in the various commands I held in a different department. But here, since I oversee code, it is hugely important and I see the demand from the residents in Concord. Mm -hmm. And so then that, you know, have a different viewpoint of it. It's like, oh, how, cool. how is it that we can best serve our neighborhoods with where code is very important yep. to keeping 
the value proposition, as you put it, yeah. that their neighborhood is, you know, I don't know whether clean is the right word or organized. More, you know, some level of decorum is acceptable. Mm -hmm. Some level outside of that is not, and usually is a function of code. And then therefore, you know, they want some activity around that. That's so cool. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the way that this is making me think about this. Awesome. Um, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate you showing up and having this chat with me and and playing with me inside this in inside this arena. Like I said, if I heard your five minute pitch, it was interesting <laughs> enough, and I, it was probably a pitch. I, I if it was interesting enough, I thought it was worthwhile to to come on and have some um, open air, honest discussions. Because frankly, I'll be honest with you, usually as a police chief, folks come in with an agenda. Mm -hmm. I, we have a problem with this. What are you doing about this? Or we don't like that you, this policy that you guys have. We want to change your policy. Why do you have this policy? <laughs> so this was a kind of a breath of fresh air. And one of the reasons I said yes, to be honest with you, is we need to just have more conversations. Yep. They, un, unthemed, if that's even a word, but where it's just some dialogue, find out what's important to people mm -hmm. that aren't, agenda-driven you must do this or we want to change in this and then you're always responding versus fully understanding what's important to people and getting a sense of hearing them giving voice to our residents like this really is important yeah well you're trying to look past the project to see the purpose yeah ah, that's fun because they come in, they have a project. That's their agenda. They they have a project. I want to I want to adjust this to to fit my vision of what of what the world should be. Right. So let's change this policy. Let's change these codes. Let's whatever. Right. That's a project. But but that project is being driven by a purpose, by a vision, by a goal. Like I want my community, I want my neighborhood, I want my experience of the world to match something. Right. And you're trying to see past the project to the purpose. Right. And I, I'll share one more little vignette with you that's appropriate for concrete. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> on Toto Santos Plaza, there's an ice cream, no Baskin Robbins. Yeah. And I would go in there and I'd see um, Mount Diablo High School kids. And if there's three or four, I'd buy them ice cream cone. Mm -hmm. And one day, kid, well, where's my ice cream? I said, well, where's your backpack? <laughs> I said, these kids are coming there. It's like there was a group that they seemed to go there. I'd go there once a week and different kids. And I think word got out. I'd buy them ice cream if they had their backpack and their homework with them, right? Mm -hmm. And this kid, oh, well, I left it somewhere. And I said, well, kids with backpack that are doing their homework get ice cream. But like a week later, kids, he's there with his backpack. Now I don't know what was in the backpack. <laughs> it was books or shoes or whatever. But the point being that I wanted to just break barriers and, and – it's not, ooh, not especially with teenagers. Oh my God, there's the cops run, or I'm afraid of the police. So it was like, hey, because they were really, it was odd. What flavor ice cream you like? And they're looking at me strange. Well, I like chocolate. I'll have chocolate cone. And then the friend is like, gave me the what about me look. And I go, mm -hmm. you too, what do you like? And I said, but don't start texting your friends because I'm going to run out of money. So whoever's <laughs> here, the four and five are here, we're going to do that when I pop in. Yeah. So, um, if I have a, an agenda or purpose, it's to break the barriers, build community, and let people know, you know, we're okay. Come talk to us. We're human, mm -hmm. and we want to talk to you, and we don't just want to talk to you about crime. We want to see how you're doing. 
Yeah. How can we be of help? Yeah. Are there things we don't know of? If we're unaware, we can't facilitate so, solutions. A reframe. I, what I see, what I hear of your per, of your purpose was to elevate your force from authority to leadership. Oh, absolutely. And that, that it's a day's work every day. Every day. That our folks are out in the field every day, night and day. Um, and you're, evenings. you're giving them projects that move towards that purpose, right? And each of those projects walk in the park. Um, your project, go to the Baskin Robbins and buy ice cream once a week. Like right. that, that is a project. Like each of those projects builds towards the purpose of elevate the authority into leadership. You know, if I have a, yeah, no, absolutely. And part of it is purposeful in the sense of we have a lot of young officers that have gone through their first civil unrest. And I can tell you it's traumatic. Mm. I've been through several large-scale riot is probably the best way to call them. They're traumatic when you, you're young, you're uh, still aspirational as a police officer. I'm here to do well, to do good as it is. Mm. Um, and then suddenly people are protesting what you do, the law, what you stand for, the authority that you hold. It really sends some of your younger officers reeling like, oh my goodness, they don't like us because we're the police. They don't like us because I wear a uniform. Now, wrap your head around that. Was We want to be open and um, to as much as we can with language, race, whatever. And yet here we are all painted the same because we wear a uniform. Mm -hmm. It's its own version, right? It and, is. And we're treated a certain way because people are upset about things that have happened nationally and sometimes locally. But had a lot of young officers who were really gun-shy. Like, whoa, maybe the community doesn't support us. Really kind of questioning purpose. Mm -hmm. What is our role in the society? And I, it's one of my ulterior motives, really, in getting out in the park walk talks and getting out in the parks and the businesses is once you reconnect with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis, it's not a crowd, you start to build that healing. Okay, I remember what the purpose is. Or why I took this job. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of soul searching with young officers. Like, do I really want to do this? Spouses, do you really want to do this for 30 years? I don't really like you out there and dangerous. And so I've made it a point with my staff, make, identifying, trying to talk folks on a one-on-one -on -one basis internally, giving them projects, a purpose to reconnect with, as COVID was a huge limiter for us, reconnect with the population with the residents of Concord, that is your purpose. And it's there and you're supported. The, the residents of Concord are wonderful, very supportive of the police. But you don't know that unless you get out and start talking to people yeah. and finding out, oh, well, okay, they are supportive. There are problems, certainly, sure. and things to protest about. Sure. But, you know, when folks brand new into the job, it can be a big, scary thing like, oh my God, am I going to do with 30 years of riots? And... Well, hide my profession when I go to a cocktail party because um, protest doesn't have to be a riot. I mean, some become, no, no, lawful, but, but sure. they don't have to be riots. No, we had we had wonderful peaceful protests here in Toto Santos Plaza during that time, mm -hmm. and I think that was a testament to the residents and to the folks that held the protest, as well as to our crowd control 
let them, they have a point of view, they're doing it peacefully, a little traffic for them, let them march, do their thing. Okay, it's a rightful thing, rightful and lawful, let them protest. Yep. And I think we, I don't know if you want to call it successful, but it was a successful peaceful protest, an expression well, it, of their... It was a project. Yes. Interesting. Um, and it's and it's building towards a purpose. And by participating in that project, you're actually deepening the shared value and the shared language, at least with those people. Yeah, because I, you know, in that particular instance, I was out there and I also had my officers talk to the people. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to yell at some people are just out there because they want to have dialogue about something yeah. they're upset about. Yeah. And to the extent that you can, talk to them. Tell them, you know, that was horrible. Uh, that's not how we do it here. But nonetheless, be human. Talk mm -hmm. to them. It's not a, you know, we're not robotic. We're still human. And I have to remind my young folks that they're going to see a lot of changes. And I would say you're going to have three major changes in 30 years of law enforcement. Most of our folks here are going to work 30 years. And you got to go with the changes. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't, it doesn't work out well for you. Yeah. So you got to be able to be flexible. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yes, thank you. All right. Thank you for joining us this week on Elements of Community. Make sure to visit our website, elementsofcommunity.us, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our EOC Inner Circle where we deep dive with each guest on the inner workings of their community. We cover things like community model, profitability, and engagement strategies. You can join the inner circle at elementsofcommunity.us forward slash inner circle. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.